Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. up bbn welcome into another episode of the believe in kentucky podcast i'm not with the uk hall of famer double zero himself tony Duck this evening this is Vinny hardy td has got a little power outage down there outside of the atl so i'm, I'm flying solo tonight like i did for the first few episodes of the believe in kentucky podcast but we got a couple of great guests as y'all know kentucky plays georgia this weekend so we're getting that Athens perspective from the two hosts of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. We got Corey Burton and former UGA wide receiver Israel Troop. Welcome to Believe in Kentucky, fellas. How y'all doing? I'm great, man. Glad to be on. Glad to have you. Glad to, uh, glad to be with you. Uh, once again, we did a show earlier this summer, Vinny. Uh, glad to be back with you. Yeah. Man, I'm good. Thank you for the opportunity to be on. I really appreciate it. Hey, appreciate y'all, man. We're doing the the late night Thursday thing, and and I appreciate you having me on over the summer for the for the SEC preview, Corey. Got on there with you and and Matt Perkins from Believe in Vanderbilt. That was a lot of fun. So it's time is flying, and the season's halfway over, and now it's Georgia week, and it's it's finally cool to have you guys up in here uh, to get that bulldog perspective. Um. Three and one right now. So before before we get into a little bit of the game, you guys are coaches and X's and old savants and, and know it inside and out. When it moved to a 10-game season, what were y'all's thoughts? You as a former player, Israel, what was your thoughts? You, Corey, what was your thoughts when you just saw it was going to be straight up week in, week out SEC grind? Israel, I'll let you kick this one off. Man, I love to see it. Um, you know, obviously we love to – you know, get those little games here and there to get a lot of reps for our younger guys and guys you want to see develop. But, I mean, this is SEC football. So this is what you love to see. You love to see the best of the best go against each other. Um, and the crossover games, I think, have been really, really good the way they've done the schedule. Um, obviously, we played um, Auburn and Alabama, who are top-tier teams over there in the West. Um, and the matchups have been great. Um, so I, I loved it. Um, but like I said, you know, um, a lot of a lot of people are upset because you, you miss out on those little games. And for me as a coach, and I'm pretty sure the coaches at UGA thought the same thing, those are games, you know, um, although, you know, you, you're going to win. Let's, let's just be honest, you're going to win. But you like to see those young guys get some reps um, and get some game time experience. But this SEC schedule has been awesome. Um, I know we've missed a couple due to COVID, but still, I mean, it's been great to watch. You see in top-tier games every single week. Um, the guys are excited because they're getting to play and coaches coaching their butts off. I mean, it's just, it's just great to see. Yeah, I mean, just the focus it takes week in and week out uh, with this 10-game schedule is is paramount. You're getting to see, like you said, Israel, the best of the best. And, and you know, I was excited about it as soon as it came out. I was glad that they, you know, they went to the 10-game schedule. I thought it was going to be like an 8-1 and one schedule or, or like a 9-1 and one schedule. Uh, but they just went 10 games. Let's go. Let's get after it. Let's let, let's make this thing happen. And, you know, we'll draw teams. And, you know, I, you know, just in general, I thought the SEC 
has handled this whole COVID situation great. I mean, just, just the way they, A, designed the schedule, uh, B, the way they uh, assigned, you know, crossover opponents, and, you know, all the COVID protocols that the SEC has put in, I, I think have worked, and I think have uh, maintained and preserved the product on the field, and then you're getting some phenomenal, phenomenal football. So, um, you know, I, I was a proponent from, from, from day one, from minute one, and I think it's uh, – I think you're starting to see – kind of how it's paying off. It's interesting that and because obviously can Kentucky is not where Georgia is yet. They've made strides under Stoops. Uh, still the only team in the SEC East he is yet to beat. And we still say, you know, you, you start the season at Auburn, um, you self-inflicted turnovers in the second half, kind of shoot yourself in the foot, lose a game you should have won against Ole Miss, and you're hearing the same thing. You know, you don't, you're not getting those two directional schools. You're not getting those cupcakes. You're not getting the tune-up games to work the kinks out. And we're not making excuses. Everybody's in the same boat. But it's interesting to hear you guys say the same thing. And y'all are Georgia, but yet it would have been nice to have a, a mm-hmm. Georgia Southern or a McNeese State or somebody in Sanford Stadium to, to at least for kinks out. Yeah, at least for Dewan Mathis. I mean, you throw him in against one of the what's proven to be one of the better defenses in the conference in Arkansas. You know, you would have loved to have got him at uh, reps. Who were we supposed to play first? I think it was Austin. I think it was who was it? Austin P. Who were you? Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think it was Austin P. or something so, like that. Somebody like that. We, we were, we, we, no, it was Virginia that we were leading off with. And then I think it was. Oh, yeah, after, that's right. That's right. After that. But I mean, you would have liked to have seen you know, the quarterback situation kind of play itself out over those uh, SCS games or group of five games. So, I mean, we're, you know, we're kind of in the same boat. We had a lot of inexperience, brand new system on offense that we would have loved to see that the kinks work, you know, worked out. Instead, we got a really horrendous first half against Arkansas. Then we kind of started to figure some things out. But, I mean, I think overall it's been good. Obviously, uh, some teams, it's, you know, they've gotten off to rough starts and trying to find themselves. Uh, and starting to figure some things out. And some teams have gotten off to great starts and now are starting to peter out um, where they thought that I guess they had false hope. I don't know. So, um, I mean, you know, it just depends on who you ask and the perspective that they have, um, you know, that, that'll tell you everything you need to know. Most definitely. And, being, and us being coaches, you know, uh, especially at the high school level, we've, been, we've both been hit with the COVID bug. So, I mean, of course you would like to have those reps and, and, I may not speak for Corey here, but I would love for my young guys to get more reps too. But right now you just can't. So you're having to go out here and prepare, you know, your best game against some of the top tier talent in the high school level as well. Same thing they're doing for SEC. So, um, of course, you like to have those games back. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got a job to do. Um, You can't pick and choose um, your games or who plays what and stuff like that. So you just got to go out there and do your job and, you know, fans are going to be fans. They're going to be happy when you win. They're going to be mad when you lose. They're going to be mad when you win, you know. So, you just got to go out there and do your job every day. And I think I think all the SEC coaches are doing a, a pretty good job. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into a couple of them later on. But for the most part, I've seen guys out there coaching their butts off and players playing as hard as they can. Because at any point, you know, it can be taken away. You know, Florida was out for two weeks um, just recently. So, you know, anytime you get a chance to play, I mean, I love the game and I respect the game. So anytime you get a chance to play, it's always awesome. Absolutely. As always, y'all, we are rolling right along on the Believe Podcast Network. Follow Matt Believe Podcast, the number one podcast network for professionals. You can get the Believe Kentucky Podcast wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Castbox FM. Same thing for the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Um, give us the five stars on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And as always, at any time at your convenience, feel free to, to listen to the podcast when, when the episodes drop. And speaking of time, we got to mention our sponsor. Fellas, you guys aren't familiar with them, but whenever you need a new timepiece, you got to go check out La Terrain Watches. Tony Delk, who is not able to be here, endorses them personally. Then they jumped on and started sponsoring the podcast. They have several different bands, several different varieties, the Compass, the Legacy, the Voyager. Dave and Ben, the owner and the marketing guy, are really great to work with. So lots of rain. You want to upgrade your wrist. Treat yourself. Get yourself a new timepiece. You got somebody you know needs a new watch? Go to lotsofrain.com. Facebook is Lots of Rain Watches. Twitter at Lots of Rain. Instagram, La underscore Terrain underscore watches. L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E watches. So fellas, check out Lots of Rain Watches. We appreciate them. Sponsoring podcasts. And also aseablue.com. Every episode of Believe in Kentucky is posted on the Sea of Blue's website. Appreciate Jason Markham and all the fellas at the Sea of Blue for doing that. You guys mentioned the horrific first half against Arkansas in the SEC opener. Were you guys surprised by that, pissed off by that? Did you think it was a possibility because Sam Pittman knew you all so well? Was it any of the above, or what were your thoughts watching those first 30 minutes? I was frustrated. Yeah, I was We were both texting each other like, what in the world is going on right now? Yeah, I, I know. I was like, uh, do we do we know how to complete a forward pass? Or are we gonna are we trying to set the Guinness Book of World Records for penalties and a half? I mean, I, I was trying to figure out what, you know, what the heck was going on, you know, and Dewan was struggling. The offensive line all of a sudden couldn't block anybody. The defense held us together somehow. Um, but uh, you know, I, I was I was thinking, oh god, this is gonna be a long season if we if we keep on like this. I mean, obviously I know that we're not, but you know, in the moment, you you, you kind of you can't help but let that doubt creep up in your mind as a fan and going, oh boy. Yeah. This is Surprising when you were you know scoreboard watching to see that at the beginning. It's definitely get y'all's thoughts on that. Coming into the ten game season, what were y'all's expectations, win loss wise, once you saw how the schedule was unfolding? I mean, Georgia competes for titles. Georgia competes for SEC East titles. Georgia competes for national championships. Year in, year out, the expectation level is there from the fans, from the coaches, from everybody that supports the program. So what were y'all's expectations for what you thought they would do? Man, I was I, I was a little bit scared for a second, you know, when the, when Jamie Newman uh, opted out um, and, we, and I knew that um, – JT Daniel wasn't cleared. It was like, who in the world is going to be the next quarterback? Um, I knew we had Mathis, um, and I knew we had uh, Stetson Ben on online too, but those guys hadn't had SEC reps um, before or been thrown that fire seat. And I was a little bit skeptical at first, um, especially seeing that schedule. I mean, you got Auburn. You got an up-and-coming South Carolina. You got Alabama, you know, the uh, fourth game of the year. So, you know, it was always, what, what are we going to do? Um, but then, you know, they come out in the first half against Arkansas. Now it's like we're about to get our eyes beat in by Arkansas because I'm like, what is going on? And then the mailman comes in, he delivers. So, 
you know, all my doubt went away, you know. So um, just seeing that schedule and just seeing, you know, the, the great job that these coaches are doing, either Arkansas and Georgia, um, just seeing them being prepared, you know, as best they can. And um, just now we're just riding the wave, you know. We got a setback against Alabama, so now we're, we're just riding that wave, you know. We take care of, we take care of ourselves right now. Um, win the East and we'll meet Alabama again in the uh, SC championship game. So um, I'm excited right now. You know, it was a little bit of doubt at the beginning, especially that first half. But then when that second half rolled around, I was like, okay, we got a chance. Yeah, I'll get straight to it. Nine and one win the conference and, and uh, let's get in the playoff and see what happens. I mean, you know, I think if we could, I think if we could have ran through, you know, ten and oh, nine and one. Uh, you know, I think we could compete with anybody in the in the in the playoff. Uh, the, the way our defense is is set up and the way our running game set up. So, that was my expectations. Um, like I said, we had a legitimate shot. We we were in control um, at Alabama, and then then kind of fell apart in the second half, which, you know, you don't like to see. But you know, hopefully we we learn from that and and apply the first lesson to Kentucky and then uh, then Florida and then then the back half of our. Our, our schedule or the, the remainder of our schedule with, you know, the South Carolinas, Missouri's, Vandy's, Mississippi States of the world. So, um, you know, I think we're still on track. Everything's still, you know, I, I hope, I mean, there's a lot of Georgia fans that probably press the panic button watching the second half of that um, Alabama game. But, you know, I, I think, you know, I was more pissed off in the first half of the Arkansas game, but I was more uh, encouraged um, after watching an Alabama game going, you know what? It fell apart for us there at the end, but th- there's a lot of good things to take away from this game, and and a lot of good things that we can that we can learn from this game, and I, I think this will serve us well down the stretch. And that, you know, just me watching that made me, you know, realize that Alabama did to you all in the second half, which is what Georgia did to Tennessee. You know, mm-hmm. shut out in the second half. Tennessee comes in, you know, the gap is closed. We're ready to compete with Georgia. We, you know, we've made strides. We think we're there. We're up 21-17 at the half. Sure, there was, a, you know, a little fluky first touchdown we got, but we're still up for. Garantano is swaggy and, you know, just puffing his chest out and can't tell him nothing. And then, of course, it all went wrong. Same kind of thing. You know, Georgia's up at the half, and then they don't score against Alabama. So in your mind, the the gap is not – you guys are closer to Alabama than Tennessee is to you, is what you were saying, based on being encouraged by what you saw. Am I reading yeah, you right? I, I felt that way, yeah. I feel that way at all. Because um, I, I think we have a little bit more stability at the quarterback situation than Tennessee does. So I think we have a better chance of recovering. And I think our defense is, is more talented and more deep and and has a better chance at stopping – uh, that explosive offense, which I guess Tennessee did a good job of stopping it by um, rolling up on Jalen Waddle's ankle, but that's a different story for a different <laughs> hey, show. Well, we can go into that a little bit because <laughs> this ain't the first marquee player that Tennessee's taken out. I mean, you got Lattimore and mm-hmm. No Sean and and was it Chubb, Martin that they took out? I mean, you made it. it Chubbs, Chubb, Sony. Yeah. Um, I think Justin Scott Wesley, I think they took out Marlon yep. Brown. I think they took mm-hmm. out uh, – I think Israel is the only one that survived, to be honest with you. <laughs> Man, it's, it's something about that field. Every time it's a big marquee game and a ranked team comes in there, 
if you notice, there's a little fog that, that comes over the field from, from the river behind the stadium, and all of a sudden, wham, somebody goes out. So if you watch the beginning of the game, it's a little foggy during that game, and all of a sudden, Jalen Walter goes out. I mean, it's, it's something. They, they, they conjure up some kind of demon in that stadium that says, I want that one, and they end up taking them out. So Israel is, you know, you've played on that turf. I, I, I've, a, I've obviously never been on 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 the surface at, at uh, Neyland Stadium. Is it? I mean, is it so? Is it different? Is it softer? Is it you know different texture? Is it you know what's different about it? Man, I don't know. It's it's I don't know what they do to the field. Um, it is some some days it looks great. If you watch it on TV, it looks great, but it's really choppy um, in some areas and. I mean, it's just different. I think they, I think they do something different to it, depending on who they're playing. I mean, if you watch that play, I mean, Jalen Waddle's ankle is standing still when he's getting tackled. So I think his cleat got caught um, in the turf. And if you watch Nick Chubbs, his cleat gets caught, and the guy's making the tackle. No, not not illegal or anything. No, neither one of those tackles were malicious. It's just the cleat gets stuck in the turf, and then you know, force against an immovable object. I mean, that's what you get. Yep. You got any uh, near season-ending injury scenarios you want to talk about from Neyland State of Israel? You got any close calls that, you know, in that ball? No, no, I don't have any of those. I almost came close to getting decapitated by uh, Eric Berry one time, but I, I avoided that one. So. <laughs> not, not a lot of people have, so that's yeah. uh, no. lucky, I guess. Exactly. You guys mentioned the quarterback position and and how murky it got, you know, with, um, you know, opting out, you know, Wake Forest transfer opting out and then JT's not ready and Stetson Bennett. I mean, y'all can answer with your head. You can answer with your heart. You can however you want to answer. But am, am I wrong to think or be concerned about Stetson Bennett's durability? I mean, do y'all think he can make it? Ten- He's just a little dude. I mean, is he – y'all have any qualms about that or y'all not worried about it? Anything can happen in any play. But every time I watch George, I'm like, man, that dude, I just don't know if he's going to make just, it before ACC 10-game season. Game by game, he just he just does it. I, don't, I, I can't explain it. He just does it. You know, I, I, you know I'm like, he's one shot away. Um, he's one shot away from this thing. We're yeah. one shot away from going back to – going to Carson Beck. Yeah. And, you know. I'm keep thinking. Okay, surely. Okay, is the magic out now? Okay, is, okay. No, no. He keeps. Okay, uh, all right. He's he's playing really okay. Oh, that's a bad decision. Oh, that's a great throw. It's it. That's how that's how it goes. That's how my mind works with with Stetson. I don't know if he's a long term plan or not. I don't know if and when uh, J T Daniels gets. Uh, he's medically cleared now, but he's uh, he's not football cleared yet. And so I'm I'm wondering when that happens, what that's going to look like and how he fits in the long-term plans, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, so far Stetson has proven that he's the guy. He's proven that, you know, he's taken a couple shots. He's proven to be, you know, somewhat durable. Yes. After watching, after watching him avoid the almost decapitation from big cat against Auburn, I think he's the guy. Um, he's smart. You know, he, he's, he's, he's a gamer. Um, he he doesn't look like much, um, but he 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 goes out there and he does the job. You know, um, you know people are were ready to write him off against Alabama. Okay, every quarterback in the history of quarterbacks has had a bad game. Trevor Lawrence is probably going to win the Heisman. He's had one or two during his campaign. So every 
every game's not going to be perfect. You know, of course we would love to win the Alabama game, but we're going to see him again. You know, so I'm not really really worried about that one. But this kid is a gamer. You know, you just look at it. He has the same facial expression all the time. And, you know, me and Corey know all too well, when your quarterback looks at you and those eyes are as big as dang grapefruits, then you know that there's a problem and he's about to nut up. But – Hudson Bennett does a great job. I mean, not Hudson Bennett, uh, Stetson Bennett does a great job of just staying calm and just, you know, it, next play, he has the next play mentality. Something bad happens, all right, next play. And you can see it on his face. And that's what I love about him. Um, but like I said, that that when he got out of the pocket uh, with Big Cat coming off the edge, which he didn't even see, he just kind of felt it and spun out of it and made a great throw uh, to Kyrus Jackson. I mean, it's just out. He, he had me sold at that point. But I wasn't I wasn't crazy to just to wonder that, Joe. On the outside looking in, no. I wasn't crazy. To, I, I, I'm no. This dude. no, I mean, know, I, you know, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Doug Fleety back in the day. I'm like, man, this dude, uh, I don't know. So I, I just had to – I started to tweet you three or four games ago, Corey, you know, yeah. you to believe in dogs and, and yeah. any other Georgia people just to ask because I'm like, I was yeah. wondering about his durability. He looks like a lawyer you'd see in a daytime commercial. Um, <laughs> so it's it's that's a fair question, but – you know, like Israel said, he's just he's just doing it, man. He just gets it. I, I don't know. He just I can't explain. Like I said, I can't explain it. He just gets it done. Sound like a lawyer too. Stetson Bennett and Associates. I mean, come on, that's Stetson a, Bennett the fourth. Come on, man. Stetson Bennett the fourth. If that old screen lawyer. Yeah. God, I want to tell him about my car wreck and get you know see what his rate get is. Out, get out of your DUI, huh? That's, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. If you're if you're looking to get out of your DUI, call call Stetson Bennett. Absolutely. And associates. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if y'all get this one a lot, but I got to ask, you know, the world's largest cocktail party, y'all play Florida every year. Auburn, Deep South's oldest rivalry. Mm -hmm. Which one do y'all, you know, that sports hate, that rivalry hate? Who do y'all hate the most? You can go from the player aspect, Israel, the fan aspect. Who do Georgia fans hate the most? Who's your most bitter rival? Is it Florida, Georgia, and somebody else? Who, who y'all despise the most? Israel, I think you and I can agree that it, that it's Florida because of your proximity, uh, being from yeah. uh, being from Tifton, and and you know, your your wife is a Florida State fan, and you kind of grew up a Florida State fan. I grew up a Florida State fan. My dad played there. Um, you know, I've always liked Georgia from afar, but I, I've never, you know, until I enrolled there, I never really truly got the the essence of, of the G, but um, so it's always been Florida for me, even, even as, as long as I can remember. And then when I got to Georgia, go to those cocktail parties, we weren't exactly winning those at the time. And uh, it got even worse for me. Um, yeah. I would say Florida um, all the way. Uh, and then I would probably put Tennessee number two. And wow. exacerbated by my current geography uh, right now. Uh, and then, I know about it. <laughs> and then, of course, being an Atlanta kid, you know, Georgia Tech's got to be up there too. So okay. um, that that's my top three. And, and I, I would really say, and, and Israel, you can agree, disagree, whatever, um, but it really just depends on where you live. Um, you know, I, I think the South Georgia people hate Florida. The West Georgia people hate Auburn the most. North Georgia hates Tennessee. Uh, Atlanta area is all over the map, but mostly Georgia, mostly Georgia Tech. Uh, the, the East Georgia – People, it's it's a toss up between uh, Florida and, and South Carolina. So, um, Israel, it, it, do you think I'm spot on there? You're you're really 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 close. Um, you're you're very you're very correct on the Florida game. Um, I come from a family of Florida lovers. 
my cousin Ben Troop played tight end at Florida. Yeah. Um, so when I decided to go to Georgia, it was like, what are you doing? That, that's not what we do. Um, so um, half of my family's Florida. All of my all of my friends from home are all Florida fans. Um, and then half of my family, of course, is Georgia because I went there. So um, I have to say that the Georgia-Florida rivalry is the biggest. Um, my From my playing days, my second hated place to go and play was against South Carolina. Their fans are the meanest fans I've ever met in my whole entire life. Um, the things that they say, yeah, the things that they say to you when you're down there, it's like, oh, my God, did you, did you just say that? You know, and um, – you know, and it, and it takes you off guard because the, these are kids, you know, like you're the same age and there's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is sit there and take it. You know, you can't go up in the stands and pull a run our test and do anything like that. So you have to sit there and take it. And my third would be Kentucky because Kentucky can beat you any day. You know, um, I think it was 2010, nine or 10 when they beat us at home. Yeah. Um, I we think were it was nine. The, I think it was yeah, we were, I remember being, we were predicted to be watching that. So, um, you know, Kentucky's always sneaky good. Um, I remember in 2008, you know, we had to win in a, in a barn burn down there. AJ Green catches the pass um, in the north end zone right there to uh, help us seal the deal. So, you know, Kentucky's always a team that's that's that has had our number and that can beat us any day. So, this game Saturday is going to be a telltale. Um, of a classic Kentucky Georgia football game. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know you guys are coming off a bye now, which you know you face Missouri coming off a bye, which was a trap game city after beating Tennessee for the first time in Knoxville since 1984. Then you got Missouri followed up by Georgia. I mean, the, as a fan. I was on cloud nine all week because I, I mean, they hadn't beat Tennessee and Knoxville since I was seven. I said it on another, another podcast I host. I'm like trying to come down and, and get ready for Missouri and that dreary stadium that doesn't even have bleachers on the end. You got rocks and, and grass and the track around it to get ready to go out there. When you originally were supposed to be playing Georgia, it screams trap game. They went out there flat and, and just weren't in the game at all um yeah that was surprising i'll admit because y'all it just seemed like y'all finally figured it out against uh against kentucky i mean uh, that's that was probably the most complete game i'd ever seen i've seen kentucky play this year um you know Ole miss was kind of a get out jump out to a lead control the game in the first half and just kind of let it slip away mm-hmm. auburn was just bad luck city uh tennessee was you know, just an all out, everything came out and said, all right, we're going to, we're going to whip their, you know, what's, um, and, and that was for me, God almighty, that was, uh, cause there's two really big Tennessee fans on, on the staff with me and we rib each other all the time. I mean, it is constant. We're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and that one, that one was a nice one, um, to, to follow up the beat down we gave them. Uh, the prior week, uh, that was uh, that was a good that was a good little uh, little deal there. Yeah, I grew Man, up on the, the border where Kentucky, Tennessee, and Virginia all come together, kind of that little corner. So I mean, there were Tennessee fans you went to school with. You know, you go to a, the mall there in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, and you go into goodies, and there's Tennessee and Kentucky stuff on display because you're just right there. So, mm-hmm. so to finally, you know, 
And there's the past four or five years, Kentucky should have beaten them. Had them beat last year in Lexington. Uh, you know, the nine and three team went down there, laid an egg in Knoxville. But yeah, I remember that. You know, 2017, they beat them. 2016 should have beat them. So to finally win in Knoxville, you, you get that off your back. But it was just, you know, it, to go to Missouri, that it just wasn't there. And now, now you get Georgia off a of bye. So good gracious. And offensively, you know, a lot of people are upset at Terry Wilson. But it's the it's the receiver core. You got you got Josh Ali, who's had decent games. He's been pretty good throughout the season consistently. There's no help. The gap between Ali and whoever else needs to step up and take hold of being a solid number two receiver. We're still waiting. So you know, can't get open. When you do get open, you you're not making catches. <laughs> so it's a combination of a ton of issues. But the offense has got to try to fix, and now you got to try to do that against Georgia's defense. So that's a humongous, tall task. Uh, so Vinny, I'm, I want to ask you this: what, What's up with Joey Gatewood? Is that what's what's going on with that situation? Or, or is he? Oh yeah, I saw that he was starting this week for you guys. Yeah, uh, Terry has a it's a minor injury to his throwing hand. He hasn't practiced at all this week. Gatewood will most likely start. This coming Saturday, uh, a lot of people were just panicking and exaggerating. Well, Terry deleted his Twitter. He's he's off the team. He's going to opt out. And you, there's been rumors flying all over the place, you know, because of the struggles, because of the offense. Everybody's mad at Eddie Grand, which you know, you know, coordinators get that no matter where they are. But you know, he was the same guy last year that took Lynn Bowden, and you know, you went won eight games with a receiver yeah. playing quarterback. And now they want to run him out of town, but such is life for a guy in his shoes. Um, but yeah, it's gonna probably gonna be Gatewood starting this coming Saturday. Terry's got an injury, uh, minor, not long term, but he's gonna look like keep him out Saturday. Man, me and Corey know all too well about the offensive coordinator sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've had my own cheerleading section with the- we know all too well. It's to the point now that my wife looks up in the stands and just gives them the eye and they just sit down and be quiet. Like that, it gets to that point sometimes. Um, but now, now um, with Wilson out, you know, I think it gives you guys a little bit of an edge because I mean, they, we can throw the football. Um, I think it gives y'all a little, a little bit more of a dynamic to you know more pass and just run. Um, I think this year you guys are a little bit more run heavy than you should be because I think you got some guys out there that can get the job done. Um, but they, like you said earlier, they have to help you. They have to help out the quarterback. Um, Make it tough and also, Yeah, and also starts with, you know, the run helps up, helps set up the pass. You know, your RPOs, your play action, stuff like that. But um, after last week, you know, Kentucky had a tough time establishing a dominant run, you know, like they did against Tennessee, you know, to kind of help open up that play action and that RPO type passes. So um, I'm interested to see how they use Gatewood this week, um, you know. Cause like I said, he's got he can run too. I'm pretty sure Alvin Rich they had him right about now. Still, yeah, I was so. gonna say Malzahn's probably watching this through like the Peaky Blinders, where, where he doesn't really want to watch, and because he knows that if Auburn fans discover that Gatewood is a really good quarterback, they're they're not gonna be happy with him, and they're gonna with uh, pitchforks and torches and all that stuff outside of his door. But mm-hmm. um, just on the on the Kentucky offense, yeah, I, I think you know you know, spot on with you need more help from your receivers. I, I just don't see a lot of separation. I, I don't see, 
anybody stepping up and making huge plays the, in the passing game, whether it be, you know, w- whether whether or not uh, Terry Wilson has contributed a, a little bit to that, I, I don't know. Um, I don't follow Kentucky football as, as, you know, as closely as you or your, your uh, listener base, but um, you know, just, just from, from our perspective, from my, from my perspective, I, I think that, you know, the receivers could, you know, someone needs to help out Ollie. Someone needs to, and, and I don't know if, I don't know if you just need to rely on the backs in the passing game too. You know, at Hillwood, we, we've done that. We've gotten our back out in uh, a lot more in the last couple of games and, and our, our offense has been a little bit more explosive and, and, and moving the ball down the field. So, I mean, maybe more screens, maybe just more backs out and, in routes, maybe, you know, get creative and, and find ways to, you know, just create space and, you know, create opportunities. And I think Gatewood has a big arm. I think he has a bigger arm than Wilson does. I think he can make some throws in some tighter windows where guys who can't get separation maybe have a chance now, um, whereas they didn't before. So I'll be interested to kind of see how he calls the game with Gatewood. Does, does he go even more conservative, conservative than he is right now? Does he get a little bit more aggressive? Does he, you know, does he go more to an RPO-based offense um, and, and more down that road because Gatewood maybe can handle it? I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see that. I, I think Gatewood is extremely talented, and and uh, I think he, he, he'll give you guys a boost for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. You guys know, being OCs, how uh, how much crap you can take from the fans and him being the backup. That's who everybody wants to see. That's always the most popular guy on the team. You know, yeah. we want to see what's he got. What's he got? Put him in. Put him. In. He played a little bit against Missouri. Didn't do that much. It, nobody did much anything against Missouri. But everybody's gonna get their wish this coming Saturday uh, and get a big dose of him uh, and see what he can do against the dogs. And speaking of the the dogs, this defense. I mean, this it's not. Uh, a Kendrill Bell is it's not a Champ Bailey, it's not a Boss Bailey, it's not a, a super flashy name recognition. How are they doing it with a lot of guys that just, you know, you don't have that glitzy, you know he's going to the NFL type superstar name yet. How are they doing it with this defense and with this group of guys so far? Man, I just love the fact that you don't have that guy, you know, because that means that everybody's doing their job. Um you know, you always look for, all right, I'm looking for, you know, when we had uh, Roquan, you know, Roquan Smith, you know, um, Sanders in the, on the back end, um, Baker at corner, you know. But now you're looking at guys that they rotate guys so much and they do so much defensively that you can't pinpoint where a guy's going to be. And as a defense, I mean, as an offense, you know, you're looking for who can I attack away from their, from their star. You know, we don't have that. And, and – as an offense, you, you're stuck because you don't know who to attack now, you know, because they rotate guys so much and everybody does their job so well. Um, and I, that's what I love about the defense. Um, you know, and, that, and as we all know, we had a setback last week against Alabama, but as a as a group and as a whole, and, you know, I still have great confidence in this defense. We all know that Rich McCown is the quarterback in that defense of safety. Um, but those guys, that front seven is really, really good. Um, and you can't just name just one one person out of that group because everybody does their job so well, um, and that's what and that's that's what I love about it. Coach Smart and um, our defensive coordinator has those guys playing at a top notch level, um, and and I'm and I'm here for it, and I'm just glad that 
you know, we have the guys that we have um, because they're, they're great to watch. They're great kids. They run to the football. They, and they love to hit, and they're very physical. Yeah, I mean, he's spot on. And, and I think the problem with, with Alabama going back to that game was that we weren't getting home on, on blitzes that we normally get home on, um, you know, corner blitzes that get picked up and, and a safety's left on an island. That usually doesn't work. You A lot of blitzes that are called, Kirby Smart's a very aggressive play caller. Dan Lanning uh, is a very aggressive play caller uh, when it comes to blitzing, pressures, things like that. And, and then the coverages they play behind them sometimes are uh, very ambitious and they've been successful with it. So, um, occasionally you're going to get burned. That's just the nature of blitzing. That's just the nature of being an aggressive style wreak havoc type defense. Um, you're going to get burned every once in a while. And, and, and they did because Devonte Smith, I'll be glad when he graduates, he's been a thorn in our side since the second 26 play. Um, I'll be glad when he graduates, he's going to be a special, special player in the NFL, Jalen Waddle, uh, uh, hopefully he recovers soon and uh, becomes a great receiver in the NFL as well. I think he will be um, if if the ankle does uh, if the ankle recovers like I think it should and, and hope it should. Um, so you know the, the the fact that we don't have a superstar, but we have I, I think we have eleven stars that do their job and and do it to the best of their ability. I mean you could you can't name Richard LeCount without naming Eric Stokes. You can't name Eric Stokes without naming Tyreek Stevenson. You can't name Tyreek Stevenson without Lewis Seen. You can't you can't have Lewis Seen without Quay Walker. You can't have Quay Walker without Monty Rice. You can't have Monty Rice without Nolan Smith. You can't have Nolan Smith without Aziz Ojolari, so on and so forth, right? Jordan Davis, um, Luke Herring. My man, Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell. <laughs> uh, I mean, where, where do you stop? You can't. Um, and, and, and that's the best thing. And, 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 you know, when you develop depth and you recruit and, and that's how that that's how George is able to get so many defensive studs in, in recruiting is that those guys know that, Hey, if I come and perform, I'm going to play. I may not start, but that's okay. They had 25 people get a hundred snaps last year. That's insane. It, I, I don't know of another school that does that. Even Alabama. Yeah. Who are, some players, you mentioned LeCount. Uh, everybody knows Stetson Bennett. Uh, Kentucky fans will know Zamir White. Who are some names that, you know, Kentucky fans will hear called Saturday but might not be as familiar with on either side of the ball? Israel, your guy, Kyrus Jackson, talk about him. Man, my man Kyrus Jackson from Peach County is doing a phenomenal job at the wide receiver position. Um, he's been very, very physical in, in the run blocking, um, perimeter blocking, and he's the go-to guy for Stetson Bennett. Um, he's, he has come on so well um, from, you know, he's, he, he thing he registered last year, um, and he said at the beginning of this year that this offense was going to be special, and he did not lie. I love everything that's going on with him. He has, he has proven to be a, a Stetson Bennett's go-to receiver. Um, I just love to watch him play, his enthusiasm, the way he approaches the game. Um, you know, he's excited to be out there playing. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of other guys that, that just, you know, Burton um, at receiver. Don't just name, name receivers, but Burton at receiver. Um, Corey's cousin. My that's that's, that's my cousin, Cook. Jermaine. Yeah. That's Cuz from California. <laughs> yeah, my man James Cook is starting to come along, and I, and I'm and I love to see it. So, um, 
But Gary Jackson is my guy. I, I just love watching him play. Um, the excitement he has um, when he plays. Um, I'm glad he's a dog, and I'm glad that you know he's he's performing the way that one he said he was, and his offense is performing that the way that that he promised that they would. Also, Vinny, uh, you know, and and your and your listeners rewind back a a, a a segment ago when I talked when I rattled off all those names on defense. I'm gonna add to that. Um, you know, the tight end Trey McKitty, grad transfer from Florida State, he's starting to emerge a little bit um, as a playmaker uh, at that position. You know, I think the I think the SEC world is gonna learn about Kendall Milton, the freshman. Um, he's making some noise. He's earning some time. And I, you know, Israel, the other guys on the head, my, my cousin Jermaine from Calabasas, uh, Kyrus Jackson from Peach County, uh, you know, James Cook uh, is, is, is another guy. Uh, Kenny McIntosh was a guy that was emerging. He's a little beat up right now, uh, which is actually giving Milton more of a shot. So, um, you know, on the offensive line, you know, the big uglies, you're going to, you know, you're starting, those guys are starting to gel too. And I'm really excited to watch how they, you know, how they've been progressing. I think I'm, I'm glad, knock on wood, uh, Trey Hill's getting his uh, snapping issues under control, hopefully. I hope I don't jinx him on that. But, um, you know, I, I've really been impressed with um, Jamari Sawyer at left tackle. Um, he's kind of our, he's kind of our uh, Isaiah Wynn who played guard his entire career until until his last year, which is this year. He moved over to left tackle. Uh, ben Cleveland's been having a great year. Uh, you know, Warren Erickson is having a great year at right tackle. Owen Condon at right tackle. Uh, those two have been rotating a little bit. Justin Schaefer's been mauling people at left guard. So I've been impressed with this offensive line and just kind of how they've progressed from uh, from snap one at Arkansas till, to this point. As and with you know Kirby, of course, being a former player, coming over and and having Georgia at a high level ever since he's been there. From a recruiting standpoint, has he locked up the state of Georgia? Maybe like Georgia fans, or you guys would like, or there? Oh yeah, are there guys that you know maybe used to get away or get out? Now that you know he's they're staying dogs, has he has he done that to the way everybody likes, or you know, improve that area? I guess. I think in years past, guys like Amarius Mims, Israel would have would have probably gotten away to Florida State or Alabama or somewhere like that. But um, I think he's I think he's locked it down. Yeah, I think he's doing a great job because you got to think of all the you know the players who've come out. Trevor Lawrence, who's at Clemson, yeah, you know, right from Cartersville. Um, I just think we could have had Deshaun Watson. Yep, I was about to say Deshaun Watson, who's right up the road at Gainesville, you know, um, you know, with the Clemson. So he's doing a great job of keeping the home guys home. Mm-hmm. And you got to think the the big thing for kids, especially during recruiting, is parents want to go see them babies play. You know, they're of course they're going to watch it on TV, but you know, when you have a chance to go to Athens and witness that atmosphere. Um, you know, we got brand new lights in the stadium that are by far the best lights I've ever seen. Um, you know, stuff like that that gets those kids excited to stay home and play for the home team. And knowing, like Corey alluded to earlier, that you're going to play. If you perform well and the coaches can trust you, you're going to play at some capacity. And like you said, it's not about starting all the time. It's about getting quality reps and being out on that field. So, um you know, from me, talk, I've had a chance to talk to him a couple of times, and he doesn't lie to you. 
you know, it's all about the result. He's a, he, he wants results. No matter what, if they're playing ping pong, he wants results from that ping pong match. So um, he does a good job of testing those guys. He does a good job of challenging, challenging those guys. And they rise to the occasion. So um, when you have a coach like that, you know, he comes and sits down in your living room, talks to you and your parents, and you just hear him talk and see how much passion he has for Georgia football and the standard that he's set. You know, it, it makes you want to stay home. You know, it makes you want to play. That's the guy I want to play for because I know one, he's a player coach, and two, I want to give all. I want to give everything I got for, to play for him because I know he's going to give me everything he has as a coach. Now, Vinny, I want to ask you uh, about Kentucky's recruiting. Like, do do, do you notice it? Um, you know, a, after starting two and ten in Stoops' first year, has there been an uptick in recruiting? Has there been guys that Kentucky doesn't normally get um, as a as a basketball school? Is you know. What have you noticed about Kentucky's recruiting? It's, uh, it's still like what I said on on your on your preview show over the summer. It's it's going up like we've never seen. Now you guys wouldn't. It's you know whatever. Being Georgia recruiting the way Georgia does, but you know you, you get you it just Rogers out of the. Yeah. Huh? I said you flip that over in basketball, and that that's how we are. It, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If like Kentucky recruiting in basketball, the way you guys in football, yeah, you know, we, okay, another five star, okay, whatever. But in football, you know, a, a Justin Rogers, who, you know, freshman D tackle from from Michigan, you know, you beat out of Michigan in a Michigan state. You go back to the, you know, we love Joker Phillips, we love all these previous other coaches. You know, Kentucky used to beat out, you know, Mac schools for guys. You know, used to beat out of Kent State, used to beat out of Akron. Now they're beating out, you know, Penn States and Michigan States and, and Michigans and, and going in Ohio. You know, the, everybody tried to come to Georgia and Alabama and, you know, go south. Kentucky's kind of went north with students being from Ohio, having those ties. And we're the closest SEC school to all those Ohio schools. So we had a lot of success bringing, you know, Benny Snell from right there beside of Columbus. Uh, Lynn Bowden from Youngstown. Uh, Justin Rogers freshman D tackle from Michigan, like the, the highest rated recruit ever. And he'll probably play a lot Saturday with Quentin Bohanna being still probably not ready to go yet. So the uptick is we're still like kind of in shock. Like, oh my goodness, look what they've done. Whoa. You know, kind of like you would be if, you know, if you get, um, you know, a, bu- a bunch of five stars coming in basketball and then it just starts to continue to happen. You're like, wow. And so that we're kind of still in that phase, uh, far as Kentucky's concerned. You know, got some some players out of out of Tennessee. Um, Joh- Josiah Hayes, he played some last week. A lot of freshman defensive linemen, a lot of guys in the trenches. They've gotten a lot better. They've upgraded that. So the talent is getting better. Um, they were better than Tennessee on both lines of scrimmage, and that doesn't happen. But they've gradually kind of built. And they're trying to climb up the ranks in the SEC. That's tough to do, as we all know. But they're they're trying to get up there and, and you know get ahead of South Carolina, get ahead of Missouri. Which you, you know you you lost your winning streak against Missouri, but you had beaten them five years in a row. Beat South Carolina five out of six. That's stuff that y'all do to everybody. Kentucky, you know, you beat Vanderbilt a couple years in a row. That's about all you would do. You got a half decade winning streak against South Carolina, Missouri. What? That's still new. <laughs> I'm 43. That hadn't really happened. 
they just erased the three-decade losing streak to Florida a couple years ago. Hadn't won in Knoxville since I was seven. We've been on the wrong end of that stuff <laughs> for most of my life. <laughs> so Stoops, Stoops has got you guys turning around. So I, I've yeah. been very impressed with, with what you guys have done um, on the field, facility-wise, um, yeah. you know, some of the improvements that you got. It just seems like, you know, for a long time, Kentucky was just all, – all they could see was round ball and, and basketball. Um, but now, you know, now they're starting to see that, you know, hey, we can have a good basketball and a good football program and coexist and, and make enough money to have them coexist, coexist. And now you're starting to see the benefits. And they're doing it with tough football. You know, how Mummy came in you know, from Valdosta State, and there's no disrespect, but it was air raid – it was throw it, you know, 60 times a game with Tim Couch. It was, I'm going for it on fourth down no matter where I'm at. You know, if I don't get it, my defense is, you know, running out there, you know, with, you know, the other offenses up the 10, 15-yard line. It was kind of gimmicky. It was, oh, let's just, hey, loosey-goosey. You're both trenches running the ball, tough defense, trying to do it, you know, tough, knockdown, drag out football. And that's kind of what we didn't think we would see happen at Kentucky. To win nine games doing it that way, to win 10 when you beat Penn State in a bowl game, what? That So it's still real new. It's still – and there's still people that are, you know, you got your minority of fans that still want to, you know, fuss about Stoops, still want to fuss about Eddie Grant. But for the most part, a lot of people are happy with what they've been able to see. Because it hasn't, it hadn't happened in a long time. Hadn't won ten games since the year I was born. So that's until 2018. Um, I got flipped back care. to the. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. At least people care. That's all. I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. I got to go back to this world's largest cocktail party once again. Corey, you've been to those games in Jacksonville, Israel. You played against Florida down there. Do y'all like it like that in Jacksonville, or would you all want to see Florida come between the hedges every once in a while? Would y'all want to go to the swamp? Oh, me, I'm like, man, I wish they would just, you know, do home and home every now and then. I'd love to see Florida come to Athens. I'd love to see Georgia in Gainesville. Do y'all just like it the way it is? It's perfect. Leave it alone. Vinny, shut up. You know what you're talking about? Or would you <laughs> like to see it be mixed up? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh no I, I think it i think it benefits the south georgia fans um I, I think it's it's like their super bowl for all the south georgia alumni and and uh people living in that area so i mean i, I think it's been good i i like the dynamic of of half the stadium empty every fourth quarter um every year uh it's it's weird i mean yeah what what, what i like to go to the swamp i think that'd be a fun fun deal um, and, and I think it'd be fun to have them up in Athens, but you know, I, I think he, you know, it's, it's tradition at this point. They've played, they've played every game except I think two, uh, in Jacksonville since 1933 or something like that. So it's just, I mean, it's the same reason why, uh, Texas and OU don't, don't move to home and home. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. the same reason why, is there any other neutral site games like that, 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 that been been like that for a while. I don't, I don't think the Cotton are. Bowl. You got Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, that's that's what um, I just said. Uh, and then Georgia, Florida. I think that's it. Yeah, everybody else I is going home. So you yeah. know, it, 
it, it's it's just been so ingrained in SEC culture that that game's in Jacksonville every year. I know there's fans clamoring for a home and home and saying let's end this Jacksonville ridiculousness. I I don't agree with that. I like Jacksonville. My experiences in Jacksonville has always been always been good. Um, for the most part, I mean, uh, obviously when you, when you're packed in uh, the Jacksonville landing with you know thousands of Florida and Georgia fans and we're all enjoying adult beverages, you know, of course something's going to happen, but, um, and something did happen, but uh, for the most part, you know, those games have been a lot of fun. Those, you know, it, it's a great weekend uh, down in Jacksonville. It's, you know, there's a lot of events going on. There's a lot of just, it's just fun. It's, it's a lot of fun regardless of the result. I know I spent a lot of Sunday mornings driving home going, what in the heck just happened? But uh, why can't we beat these guys? And, and, uh, but, you know, honestly, it would just be weird at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree because, um, you know, when you do a home and home, um, each side's only allotted so many tickets. Um, so, you know, only maybe a fifth of the stadium is going to have the opposite team's fans. You know what I mean? So, at least when you play, when you're playing in Jacksonville, half is red, half is blue. Um, so I think I think you you have to keep in Jacksonville just from that aspect. Um, it gives every chance, every fan that has, has a ticket that game a chance to go to the game. Um, it's not hey we have to only we're only allotted this amount of tickets for the game and you have to stress about finding a ticket and then you're you're spaced out in between Florida fans and if you do that if you put Georgia and Florida fans amongst each other, then like Corey alluded to, it's going to be trouble. Because <laughs> we we both like the party, and mm-hmm. it's Georgia, Florida. So you already know what was what's been going on from six o'clock a.m. to game time at three thirty. So there, there's going to be some punches thrown. Um, so I, I love you know as a player, and I've had a chance to go. Um, I've had a chance to go to three since I've graduated, and I've stopped playing. And it's it's great to see you know that as a fan now. Um, seeing half that stadium in red and half that stadium in blue. And um, at the fourth quarter, each person's playing their signature, each team's playing their, their signature song and just seeing it back and forth. And, it, and it's, it's just great. I think you keep it in Jacksonville. Because, um, I mean, they always say it's a home game for Florida, um, but not really. I mean, they have to travel up to Jacksonville. It's just a shorter trip, that's all. Um, so I, I love it. I love it being in Jacksonville. I love it for our fans. Um, they always show up and show out for that game. Um, so I think we keep it in Jacksonville and, and we keep rolling with it. Well, I can't, I can't argue with y'all. I just had to at least ask y'all. So <laughs> <laughs> it's always, it's always fun to ask. Yeah. You don't um, know unless you ask. Exactly. My one qualm with Florida is they still get out of plan in enough cold weather games to me. You know, they always play Kentucky early in the year. They usually play Tennessee the week before or after. So they're you know, they're in Knoxville, it's October. I would love to see them in Lexington, even Nashville for Vanderbilt or, or Missouri more in November. They, they kind of skate on a lot of the cold weather games to me. And when we were talking about weather before we started recording, and they they kind of they kind of sidestep a lot of a lot of cold weather games. And to me they ought to at least get a little dose of it and, and Get the schedule. I think they catch they catch each of those teams right before they've hit their stride. So you know Tennessee and Kentucky usually get better as the season goes on. 
But Tennessee always seems to catch them at the beginning. Georgia, we usually catch them right in the middle or kind of late. So we, they, they've hit their stride and they're starting to figure things out. So we catch them on the tail end every single year. So I agree with you on that one for sure. They need to reschedule them and let them play. Like Corey said earlier, it's, it's 26 degrees in Nashville. Let, let's go play Bandy then. Yes. You know, and let's see how they react to that. Because you know those Florida boys are not going to be outside with shirts off, jumping up and down. They're going to be inside trying to figure out where's the heater. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, fellas, we'll kind of wrap it up with, with y'all's thoughts on whatever's going on around the SEC that's maybe caught your eye or you like what you've seen or got a gripe with what you've seen. My first thing, and I know you guys have seen this as well, you know, Auburn has been getting home cooking at home all season long. You know, we saw game one. We mm. saw Chris Rodriguez mm-hmm. in the end zone and Kentucky, you know, trailing eight to seven at halftime when they should have been ahead 14 to eight at least at halftime. The call on the field, it was not a touchdown. Reviewed it, and it wasn't overturned, and he's laying in the end zone. We saw that. Um, we saw the backward spike that wasn't called a fumble at Jordan Hare. Now they're getting home cooking in Oxford. The home cooking is starting to travel. What is up with Auburn and, and these good whistles? I mean, you can see it at Auburn. But now we're getting it on the road. What's really going on with this this Auburn look? They feel like they owe him something, I guess. I, I don't get it, man. Um, it's just, wow. Like, they didn't even review that play. The, the, right. the, the ref came by and said, yeah, we're, we're not going to review that. That that doesn't sit well with me. If I'm Lane Kiffin, I'm not paying $25,000 for anything. Y'all owe me an apology, and we got to start. We got to hit reset on the game because – that's not fair. It's not fair to Arkansas. It's not fair to Kentucky that Auburn keeps skating by. I forgot about the Kentucky deal. I forgot all about that. So, Corey, I said that yesterday that Auburn should be 1-4. They should really be 0-5. Yeah, they should be. Or or at least, you know, I don't know, maybe they maybe they figure some things out and, and still pull out that Kentucky game. There were some things in that game that – uh, weren't weren't quite as lucky, but still, oh, like yeah, one and four, best case scenario, zero oh and five, worst case scenario. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's at least a different game going to second yeah, half. It's, it, I mean, it it's not win. It's a totally different. It's more of a toss up. It's yeah. more of a toss up if 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 the the call goes the other way. If I'm late, Kiffin, I'm getting kicked out of that game. I mean, it's late. It's late in the game. No, you're going to review this this right now. Or y'all are going to send this to wherever you send it to. And y'all are about to review this because even on the replay, I mean, these cameras are good. They got cameras on the pylons and everything now. So you see his whole finger, all three fingers move when the ball touches his finger. And I mean, and as the ref next to me is going to tell me, no, we're not going to review it because they already reviewed and said it's fine. No, 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 no. That's not the answer mm-hmm. I want. This is a game. And this is, this is for, this is, this is to win the football game. Are you going to tell me that, no, we're not going to review it? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, you are, in a, in a nice way to put it. Yeah, you're going um, to review this yes, thing or are. kick me out. Yeah. Yes, and I'm willing to get kicked out. If I'm going to pay a fine, I'm going to get kicked out from doing my job and making sure that y'all do y'all's. Yep. Agree with that. Anything else catching y'all's eye? Or you Arkansas, man. Uh, Barry Odom. Not much of a head coach, but, man, he's a – He's a great defensive coordinator. 
Uh, physical style of defense. They're you know they're twelve point dogs at Texas A and M. I'm I'm all over that Arkansas game. Man, I I love it. I've talked about Arkansas since day one. Ever since we played Arkansas, that first half showed me something. That first half showed me that Arkansas is going to be the real deal, and they haven't proven me wrong yet, really. Um, except for the debacle at Auburn, which they they should have won the game. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, Arkansas, Arkansas is going to be a force. Like we were talking the other day, Corey. I mean, they're going to be back to the Felix Jones and Darius McFadden and the yep. Yep. and the Joneses of the world. I mean, it's it's going to be back to those days real soon. Um, so I think Coach Pittman has done a great job. I loved him when he was at Georgia. You know, I've got to talk to him too. And I mean, he's a player. He's the definition of a player's coach. He's one of those guys that. He just wants you to do well, and you want to go out there and prove that you can do well. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he's got those guys believing. Um, Coach Coach Odom's doing a great job. You know, some guys are just meant to be coordinators, and I think that's what he's done. He's brought a physical mentality to that Arkansas defense that they haven't seen in a long, long time. And you got Kendall Browse running the offense as well. So, I mean, they're, they're playing at a top-notch level. Um, and I think that all goes back to, you know, Coach Pittman, having a great staff around him um, and having those players believe in everything that he's telling them. And they're actually going out there and performing and showing their coach, hey, coach, we believe in you and we're going to do everything you tell us to do. How, how's Chad Morris feeling? Should have lost to him. And, you know, I mean, he still got to peep and, and check a box score every now and then or check a scoreboard every now and then and see what he's doing with Yorn. He was just there last year stinking it up. He was, he's just trying to get control of Bo Nix. He's not even looking at the scoreboard. Man, me, me and Corey were talking the other day because, you know, we're both coordinators. And when at the South Carolina game, you see him and Bo Nix just drawing back and forth. You know, and I and me and Corey had a show uh, last week, and I said, I could never imagine my quarterback coming up the sidelines and me, me and him going back and forth to one another. I was like, that just doesn't happen. And at the that, college yeah, level, yeah. that you, you're getting paid great. And then you're going to let your quarterback, you, y'all just going to draw back and forth with each other. No, no, that's not how this works. I'm the coach, you're the player. You sit down, you shut up, and you listen to what I have to tell you. Exactly. That does it. Does never gets to that point, uh, or it should never get to that point. What is Patrick Nix? How's he feeling? I mean, you're you're the son of a quarterback. How is? I mean, do we know how Bo was brought up or his? Bo strikes me as one of those quarterbacks or one of those kids that, you know, dad's been a great quarterback and he thinks he knows everything and dad, but you can't say anything to him right now. And he was probably enabled in high school and, you know, he's probably been, been like that his whole life saying, you know, he speaks his mind and people let him and, you know, no one's ever probably put him in his place. And, you know, finally somebody tried to, and it just didn't go well. And then I think that Chad Morris was, I don't know. He just couldn't couldn't get control of him. So, um, the other thing that stands out, or uh, is the uh, is the fact that um, Vegas has no clue because uh, the line has switched several times on this LSU Auburn game. I don't even know how to pick it. Um, you know, I don't even know. If, I don't even know if uh, LSU is settled on a quarterback now that TJ Finley had a good game. But uh, right now, LSU is currently favored at, at minus three. I would take I would take LSU in that, Vinny. I, I don't know about you, and or what do you make of this LSU team? They've been so up and down, and so just such a roller coaster. Um, what do you think of them? 
and we we knew they were losing a ton prior to COVID, and you know Jamar Chase being and guys like that opting out. I I still just didn't foresee all of this. I mean to to get pumped by Mississippi State. I know you were supposed to play Missouri originally at Baton Rouge, but you know you go up there and and you can't stop them. I, I mean, it's it's you know all the coaches that left too. And now it, it just kind of looks like old Ed is getting exposed. Um, I, and now you know them and Auburn. I'm like you. I, how you don't know both of them. Auburn should be worse. They're not as good as the, you know, forget what Bill Parcells said. Your record, you are what your record says you are. Auburn really isn't. <laughs> they just no, talk about being enabled. Talk about being enabled like like Bo Nix. Auburn's been enabled by the stripes all year long. Yeah, so you're right, Corey, as far as how how imagine any scenario. It, the possibilities are endless how it could play out. Put any kind of blowout either way, close game either way. Both teams trying to give the game to each other. Nobody wants to win it. Anything to me could happen. You, the possibilities are endless, and you know that's why Vegas is like, well, just three because we don't, we don't even know. We usually always know, but we can't even get a hand on this. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any, any, and imagine any kind of scenario. It's still going to play out some way we didn't dream possible come Saturday. Guarantee. No doubt. <laughs> it's going to be a fun game to watch, let me tell you. Yeah. And was it uh, – who was it? It was was a couple years ago they played when – was that when Les, you know, the loser Les Miles got fired? And had LSU yeah. won, Gus would have probably gotten fired at the end of the game. Somebody I'll, I'll fired. Auburn fans are regretting that one. Somebody was getting fired that day, and you know LSU just happened to pull that one out because it was the hot seat bowl a couple of years ago, and and now it's just the unpredictable. So me and Corey were just talking that uh, yesterday, I believe it was, and I said if if Auburn loses this game handedly, Gus Malzahn will not have a job next week. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. It's no. it's to the point of no return with him. I don't I don't no. think he get them. I don't think he can get them back. I, mean, I, I, I think he's, I think he's gone. Where he can't get in. I think he's gone. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. This it's, is it. This is this is this game right here is the telltale because LSU is not the LSU of old. So yeah. if they come out and they put a whooping on Auburn, they're going to change the locks to all everything that he has a key to. All the key patterns are going to be changed. He's not going to be able to get in. And that is the telltale sign that, buddy, you have been let go. Oh. And he has been on thin ice for years and just kind of wiggled in and out of trouble. And, you know, it's, but yeah, it's, it's to that point now, like you said, Israel, because you can't get him back. And, his agent, Ogeron, his agent is, is an MVP, though, because, <laughs> my God, he should have been fired three years ago, but oh. his buyout's been like 30-something million, so they they can't afford to to to, uh, to fire him. So, yeah. you know, hats off to his agent. That's, that's the real MVP right there. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. I'm starting to wonder how much is his buyout? It's like 16 million. I think it got cut in half after you know after last year. It was 32, I think, last year, and I think um, it's 16 this year. Hey, okay, you know, good deal if you can get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no doubt, man. No doubt. Um, do you see Vandy posing any sort of threat to? Uh, Ole Miss. Let's see it for a little for a little while. I, I think they do they I keep it do they keep it under seventeen? Uh, no, Mm-mm. no, I, I don't. I don't think they can keep it under seventeen. Because um, simply because Ole Miss is going to want revenge on somebody, and Vandy just happens to be the next team on the schedule. No. Oh. There you go. How's old Perk man? I hadn't talked to Perk and Zach man. I mean, how? You know, Zach is uh, Zach is taking a little hiatus. Uh, he's he's hosting now with uh, with Ryan Seymour. They're doing a tremendous job. They they just had the uh, the Bush brothers on, and when I say the Bush, I mean like the Anheuser Bush brothers on their show. I got to get him on. Kentucky plays them after the bye, so I definitely got to get those. Yeah. Get him on to to preview that one like we're doing here for sure. But yeah, he's been uh, he's been on the J Boy show. Um, you know, he's got a uh, Perk's got a spot. Up in uh, up in Matt up no Milwaukee. He's on sports radio in Milwaukee. He they, he does a little spot, uh, I think, on their afternoon show about Wisconsin. He has a Wisconsin show now too. Got them pipes, man. So yeah, doing his thing. Sure. Yeah, he he's uh, he's believing in the Badgers now too. He's yeah. a, he's a Wisconsin graduate, so that was you know it was only a matter of time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I feel I've been thoroughly enjoyed y'all doing. Late night, after the kids go to bed, after mm-hmm. putting the youngins down, <laughs> still got an early morning ahead, and y'all still hopped on to to do a Georgia preview for Believe in Kentucky. Uh, hopefully, the cats can be sneaky good this Saturday, like you have talked about Israel. That's that's what would be lovely. You know, get the stars aligned in Kroger Field, and some magic happen. The, the world's largest grocery bag. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> No program, folks. Exactly. Believe it, baby. <laughs> but we got Corey Burton. Y'all follow him on Twitter at Coach Burton thirty six. Follow Israel at Troopstar twenty eight. Follow the podcast at Believe in Dogs. All right. Check them out wherever you get your podcast. They're you know, doing their thing. Week, fellas. They they're killing it in the SEC. All things Athens, Georgia. And, I mean, guys, y'all keep it up and, and appreciate it, man. It's been a blast tonight. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank, hey, I want to thank you for having us on. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It, it's always good talking to you. You know, we, we, we'll have to catch up and, and get Tony in, in the mix as well and and, sure. uh, and chop it up with him. So, it, it was, like I said, man, it was a lot of fun, and, and I'm glad we can uh, we can, we can conversate and, and do a great show, man. You're doing great things um, up there as well. I mean – you know, representing the SEC, you know, SEC East Love, and you know, it's been it's been good, man. Uh, and it's been good to see. You know, I've listened to most of the SEC shows. Um, you know, Kyler down at Tennessee, uh, Jordan yeah. Dollinger over at Ole Miss. Yeah. You know, Perk yourself uh, representing you know representing the conference very very well. You know, I, and then I listen to shows from other conferences, and they're not quite the same. So, um, there's something to be said about that. It just means more on the the SC streets on the belief, on the podcast streets too. It just means more. Hey, so. You know it, man. You know it. Cool, man. 
we get y'all on with CD and look, he he got forgotten more basketball than I'd ever know. But he comes on and we talk football. We talk, you know, Mookie Betts contract. We talk baseball. He talks, he keeps up with all the sports. So definitely get y'all back on uh, to chop it up with TD. You know, spend a little time in that Hawks uniform. I see your Atlanta shirt there, Corey. So Oh, in Lay United. Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, he, he spent his, his time there with the Hawks. He got some good Dominique stories. We, we talked about that a time or two. So uh, definitely get y'all back on again. And wish y'all the best of luck in everything but the scoreboard this coming Saturday. Man, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, I've been – I was believing that we're for a short time here, just about a month now, and just listening to – all of them, all, all the SEC school um, podcasters. And, I mean, we just, like we said, SEC is better and podcasters just do it better than everybody else. So um, thank you, Vinny, for having us on. Um, I really enjoyed it. And and I hope that we come out on the better side of that scoreboard on Saturday night. Yeah. Or Saturday, whoa, Saturday afternoon. Noon. Saturday at noon. That's right. Or 11 a.m. for me. But That's right. That's right. We'll do it, y'all. We'll see what happens this coming Saturday. Appreciate y'all hopping on. Once again, the Believe Podcast Network. This has been Believing in Tuggy for my man Corey and Israel. We'll see y'all next time. Everybody take care. Go Cats. Check out the pod. Rate, review, subscribe, and all that good stuff. We'll see y'all soon. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube